Hi, and welcome to another episode of Real Estate with Howard Drew Karsh. For those that don't know me, I'm one of the co-founders, along with Arthur Bartram and Ron Petticord, of Canada's largest independent real estate brokerage with over 5,500 agents. Along with that, in my background, I've been a member of the board of directors of the Real Estate Council of Ontario, the regulator, and I've been on the board of directors of the Toronto Regional Real Estate Board, and I'm also on the board of directors of the company I co-founded. In my career, um, particularly in the company I co-founded, I, I worked as manager, I worked as broker of record, worked as president, and through all those roles, the most important thing was the hiring of agents. Uh, and during the time I was active in the company, I hired over a thousand agents. So that's a bit of my, about my background. And if you're interested in finding out more, our first episode, first podcast episode is called Intro. It's the only one is audio only. All the rest on YouTube are video and audio. You can check me out. And today, I'm very happy to have uh, a guest who, who has about the same vintage in the real estate career as I do. And we're going to give you a bit about his background, and then we're going to have, have him uh, join us. So for 37 years, uh, our guest Mark has been in the business. Um, uh, the first 25 were executive marketing positions for like an incredible range of, of, of companies in, in, uh, in Canada, but particularly in, in the Toronto area. Bramley Limited, Menke's Developments. Concord ADEX Developments, Tribute Communities. And then in late 2007, uh, Mark founded uh, the TCS Marketing System, which he'll be telling us about today uh, and how it helps developers. Um, and it basically it's a sales advisory group that works with developers to help them build pre-construction projects that are unique and very successful. Um, Mark, before we get into that, and, and now I'm going to turn the camera on to Mark Cohen. Thank you for joining us. Nice to see you. Howard, great to see you. I'm very happy to be with you. Thank you. And, and uh, I'm going to go through a bit of your background because I think people will find it interesting. Um, one of the things that a lot of people find uh, when I ask this question, it's uh, in your family, uh, were there entrepreneurs? Because sometimes that has an effect on, on people's careers. You know, it's funny you asked... Uh... My cottage was next door. My family's cottage was next door to a real entrepreneur. My family um, were probably more uh, conservative. My father, only child, grew up in North Bay. He was a lawyer, good lawyer. So we have a doctor. We have a lawyer. Uh, one of my brothers is a bit of an entrepreneur. He bought a piece of property that he wants to develop. But we were pretty, um, you know, we, we weren't entrepreneurs by nature. But I cottaged with an entrepreneur who, who really got me into the business and, uh, you know, steered me away from being a lawyer, something I could have done. Okay, so, so let's get on to, which is the meat of the uh, podcast, is your, your incredible career uh, at TCS. Uh, let's kind of take us through uh, why you started it, um, the early years, the struggles, no doubt, you know, uh, and, any startups got struggles. And, and the, the clients, uh, clients that you've worked with, clients you'll be working with, I guess, in the future, and how that helps them, uh, in, in my opinion, in one of the most competitive markets for pre-construction. I mean, the, you know, this city is endlessly um, building. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Mark, and let you talk about TCS. Right. Thanks. I appreciate it. You know, I worked 25 years for those powerhouses. And, um, you know, uh, when you work for those companies, you're going to sell. You're going to sell lots. You're going to sell hundreds of homes and hundreds of condos. Um, but that isn't wasn't really the measure of success. You know, you were going to sell houses or condos for those people, no matter who you were. 
it's how you did it. It's how you conducted yourself. It's how you represented the company. And most importantly, how you ensured that they made money. Selling in our town is easy. You know, everything in Toronto sells. Mm-hmm. We all know why it keeps going and going and, and going. And, and you know, the you know condos are selling like crazy because people can't afford houses. Houses are selling like crazy because there's no more land for houses. And, you know, the immigration is huge and the borrowing cost is low and, and affordability is key. And we let everyone in. And um, so selling is easy. But I learned from those big companies how to conduct yourselves. And, and, and how to conduct myself. I was a real estate agent. I'm pretty sure that I took my real estate license about the same time as you in the 80s. Right. I think it's the Maybe. first time that we met. Yeah. And I really sold the first new condos in Toronto uh, when Bramley was, you know, they were big rental managers and we were renting apartments like crazy. And then the market changed and, and, uh, and rent controls came into play. So hence the evolution of a condo. So I learned sales and I was selling the first stuff out there and wanted to grow into management and eventually learn design and marketing and all of those things as I grew up. But um, I guess what happened in short, I spent 25 years working for those four big companies, two public companies, two private companies. And I sort of hit a point in my life, I was getting into my late forties and I said, there's probably another 25 years left in me and maybe I should go to the service side. So instead of you know working on 10, 12 projects for one person, I'd work on 10 or 12 projects for 10 or 12 other people. Mm-hmm. And, and you know our market, as you know, Howard, about half of the builders do it themselves and about half of the builders hire outside companies. And when the market's good, everybody you know thinks they know what's right. And when prices are going up and people are buying like crazy, everyone thinks they're a marketing genius. But the reality is there are better ways to do it and there's more efficient ways to market it. And there's and, and there's certainly maximizing revenue matters in a, in a climate where costs are going through the roof and the cost of building is going through the roof. So I learned from really smart, strong, disciplined people, some entrepreneurial, some, you know, always staying within their box. But um I think what excited me was the opportunity to to spread my wings and take everything I learned and and try to apply it to my own business. And and when I opened up just in short, you know, 14 years ago, TCS Marketing Systems, the idea we were a sales brokerage, we were a sales company, but we were very much a marketing company. And sales is is, is sort of a branch that falls under that big umbrella of marketing. Um, Design it right, market it right, and then it'll sell as opposed to, you know, just selling the stuff. So, so what we tried to develop and what I have developed is a team of people who've worked for developers, a people, team of people who understand marketing, positioning, design, and, the, the, you know, the most important thing, which is, which is the bottom line. Uh, selling, as I said, is easy, but selling a building and watching it get built three, four years later with, with no profit um, doesn't pay and doesn't help and, 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 and in many ways doesn't pay because you usually don't get paid for it. But, you know, I think I what we did different was to take a sort of an in-house mentality and bring it outside. So when people hire us, they're getting that VP of sales and marketing. They feel like there's someone who cares about their stuff. And, and we really also, I guess, as a, you know, word of wisdom, I didn't want to take over the whole world. I, I didn't want to fracture existing relationships. I wasn't going to take the in-house people and have them go outside. But there was there was room for someone who, you know, who did better or who cared more and, and worked at the beginning of the project, the middle, and the end. So 
it was really much an in-house mentality with an outside firm. And, and that, that was really a key to our success and has been. You know, one of, one of the things that people don't understand uh, from the developer standpoint is the gamble that developers take. You mentioned it in, in uh, uh, a few minutes ago that you, you don't plan uh, a project and it goes up the next year. You plan a project and, uh, and I know from, you know, from uh, being in this business, the costs have gone crazy. Lumber costs have gone crazy, uh, land costs, ta- taxes. Uh, uh, um, and so developers have to be, and I think that's one of the strengths that you, you bring, is you help them make, make good decisions before they start building. Because once they start building, it's pretty hard, pretty hard to turn the tap off. So um, That's for sure. And look, there have been more than a few projects that were sold and sold above market and sold with big deposits that didn't go forward. And, uh, you know, from a selfish standpoint, I don't want to be involved in any more of those than I have to, because if they don't get forward, we're not going to get paid. The relationships we've created with the outside force, the agents that we've brought in to help support the project aren't going to get paid. So, you know, there's a gamble we take. If I take on a project and the client doesn't go ahead, you know, I put my name on it. I've, I've, I've uh, you know, mobilized other people to support it. And, and it's, it's not a great thing. And um, you know, that I guess what our, my experience and, and my team's experience understands is the importance of selling it right. Selling fast, selling at a dollar, taking advantage of the day that is your, is your day is, is great. But at the end of the day, with what you referenced, Howard, the construction costs, the cost of getting things done. Now the whole change in processes and time because of, you know, COVID hasn't sped anything up. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, uh, uh, this, the complications in getting things done on time and on budget. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, one of my clients said to me, like, what kind of business am I in? I, I sell all this stuff. And four years later, the, you know, the value goes up, the cost goes up, and I'm stuck selling it at the price that, you know, that I sold it at four years ago. It, I didn't have much of a rebuttal other than, you know, build apartment buildings or, or build the thing first with your own money and then, and then sell it later. But it's a you know a high risk business, a high risk business for developers, a high risk business for the sellers, and and um, you know as a company, I've tried to say, you know, and I could probably say, you know, we sell for more. I don't sell for more because my clients actually want to. I sell for more because I want to because I'm not sure that they can do what they say they're going to do. And the most savvy and, and veteran developers can't control the costs out there. So we do our best to get them as close to you know, you know, over the top with, with, with a little bit of, uh, you know, gravy on top just to ensure that things work because the banks aren't going to finance projects that aren't going to make money. And uh, so, so I think that developer mentality, the, the costs, the marketing expenditures, maximizing the revenue, we're not about sales, we're about revenue. And I think that has been a key to our success in holding some really good clients along the way. You know, the other thing uh, which you can't control is timing, right? I mean, you know, all of a sudden the pandemic comes along that hasn't, hasn't been in, in anyone's life or in, in the history of the world for 100 years. And now, you, you know, and now this is where flexibility comes in, adaptability comes in. Um, and those that could figure it out were going to survive. And those that either didn't figure it out or couldn't figure it out or delayed in figuring it out, they, they got caught. Um, and, and in pre-construction, particularly in Toronto, where there's so much competition, I, I'm assuming that 
you know, you and your team had to come up quickly with, we, we got to get this done. It's a new world. Uh, we don't have a lot of time to figure it out and, and, uh, and make some moves that, that got you continuing along the line of success. So, so let's talk about first time you heard this pandemic coming along. You had projects going on. Nobody can talk to anybody. Nobody can see anybody. Nobody can, you know, do anything other than worry about it. And, you know, in the first wave, how did you approach that with your team? I have to tell you, it was, it was obvious. It was a shocker. Um, you know, I talk about my experience working and how I've been able to carry it forward and how I conduct myself now. I once chatted with you. I remember when I went, I went to university 35 years ago. I don't think I learned anything at the time. I was scrambling to get through and get ahead. However, it all kicks in. So everything kicks in later. Now, interestingly, I studied in school. I was a history major. I studied American history and Canadian history. So when you study history, 30 years later, things make sense. The pandemic made no sense. Mm -hmm. I never in a million years could have expected that this was going to happen in our lifetime. And, and for some reason, although we've been exposed, you know, to, to SARS and West Nile and, and, and different things, I, I don't ever remember feeling it, you know, to any degree whatsoever. I assumed it was something that happened to some people and wouldn't happen to, to others. So this was all bets off. The whole world was, was paralyzed. So as an industry, we shut, we, no one knew what to do. So, we, you know, and nobody really thought that this was going to be as serious as it would. So we all shut down because we knew we had to shut down. And that was in the, in the spring. But, but, you know, when real estate was considered essential, you know, there's so much competition, so many choices. I knew that something good was going to happen in, in terms of transactions in real estate. So we all shut down for two months. But we realized we could be open on an appointment basis. Or we also realized that there's so much information out there anyways. You can share information with people. And you don't have to bring them into a sales office, into a contrived or, you know, high pressured off environment and, and you know, and, and motivate them and intimidate them to buy. Um, so I think there was a new um, sort of effort to, to find better ways to communicate with people who you didn't have the privilege of pressuring in a sales situation. Um, and it forced everyone to get on their toes and, and technology took a, you know, took a step up and People were demonstrating things virtually and by video that they couldn't normally, you know, animate. And when they're seeing people in person, I thought the industry pivoted incredibly well. I thought that, um, um, you know, buying from your home, Zoom meetings, Zoom presentations, all of those things started happening. The whole world was, was Zooming. And, uh, you know, we did something that I thought was clever. You know, I went to some of these broker launch presentations and, you know, everyone gets on a Zoom and then someone loses the link and someone can't hear and we're not sure if everyone's on. And technology always has its, its, its sort of uh, foul ups, you know, it's not perfect. So one of the things we did, which I think was amongst the very, we were probably the first to do it. Someone thought of something smart, you know, I'll take some credit for it and said, instead of having a Zoom meeting and hoping that everyone's Wi-Fi is up and that it works, why don't we pre-record something? So we pre-recorded, I remember it was a, a project we, we launched in Barrie, two large towers on the shores of Lake Simcoe. And we, we did a sort of like a game show and um, it was like a David Letterman and the sort of theme was the 10 top reasons to invest in Barrie, which was pretty timely because there was a lot of movement out of, out of the city and mm -hmm. cottage country's gone through the roof. But yeah. we, had a, we had a guest and I was one of the speakers, you know, pitching it to the sales 
world in the brokerage community and the developer was the other guest and it was brilliant because you zoomed on you clicked on and you watched it all at the same time but if you couldn't watch it you could watch it at another time and it was loaded on the broker portal so it was sort of just a next step of communicating with people in the comfort of their home but still maintaining the urgency and the start and the stop and the launch date and and the rush to get out you know to get a, a piece of this so um we shut down we didn't know what to do we started talking to people virtually we started showing our faces virtually um we were able to see people by appointment but i think there was a real conscientious effort by the developers not to push that even though it's easier to sell things to people when you're in front of them you had to respect people's wishes and, and naturally health concerns so while there were appointments available it became you want to have a conversation with us we'll do it in, we'll do it you know on a zoom call we'll do it on a facetime call the industry pivoted amazingly and and i think customers felt an opportunity to learn about real estate without being pressured without someone breathing over their shoulder and the sales have been outstanding i mean you know different reasons but but i i'm sort of proud of being part of that industry that really was uh socially conscious but very clever in uh in in stepping up to the plate so we could continue to be active and you know it's interesting that that change in the way uh, uh you market to the consumer i guess or to the agent base uh it, it also i'm just thinking as you talk about it, it opens it up to a global market like all of a sudden anybody uh, anywhere can can learn about your projects um which i suppose could have been done but not as easily once you have those yeah. videos it's great very, you know great point a very good point howard you know the developers and i worked for them and managed their budgets for 25 years they don't like spending money that they don't need to spend and i guess conducting business in the new world in the covid world was more expensive because you know we still needed a sales office we still needed a scale model we still needed a brochure we still needed renderings we needed all of those things but what wasn't accounted for in their budgets when they started was all of the technology all of the digital um stuff and and um you know having worked at concord and doing projects and presentations overseas i was in the middle east i was in the far east um you know it involves some technology it involves creating videos and things that like you said have a global kind of uh, appeal so very good point you know a great point howard the materials that builders have reluctantly produced um do serve a purpose and they do allow people from outside of our world to uh you know to utilize it and get to know our world so in most of these videos will you know paint a really nice circle around any project it'll show you where you are and what amenities are there and what infrastructure is there and why it's a good idea so they do very much serve that purpose and uh you know to the extent that developers might need those one day those will become in handy if not it was the cost of doing business but it's amazing what you can see now any project you you go, go onto their website or, or look at what the realtors are promoting and it's just it's just outstanding the level of of uh technology and, and stuff that you can see now which makes you know makes buying a little more fun you know the the other thing about about that technology is and i you know i saw it when i was uh, um you know managing that company is young people don't look at business like we look at business in other words the the ability to move to a more virtual you know listen you have kids 
nobody wants to use the phone. <laughs> they, don't know what the, they don't know what the phone is for. They know how to use texting. And so the, their approach to technology is a lot different. And if you show, if you show them that you're tech, tech savvy, then I think you're, in addition to the products that you're marketing, you're also, you've got a demographic that likes the way you're approaching them. And, and, and I don't think that's going to change, uh, you know, once the pandemic kind of runs its course. What do you think? Yeah, you know, and I think, I think also a very good insight of yours. Um, the world's trending towards technology. Even us older people have had to become technologically savvy. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think you're right. The, the young people, it's almost like my kids have a newfound respect for me um, because I now how to know how to set up a Zoom call. I know how to do all those things. Um, but I think, I, I think going forward, um, I do think people will go back to their offices and people will get out of their homes and people will, um, you know, conduct themselves the way we do as social animals. However, there's going to be a, a number of people who don't. There's a number of people who will work from home. The number of businesses that will save the money and save the, the expense of, of putting on a show and, and and people will work from home. But I think in everyone's, I think I, I think all of us will be affected forever. All of us will do things differently. And technology is going to make it more seamless. So I think I think the new trend um, is here to stay in different degrees. Some people will, will be thrilled to get ready and get dressed up and get to work and, and we're human, you know, we're social beings, but I think it, it's, it's prepared us for the future, um, whether we want it to be prepared or not. And I think it's, I think this is a trend that will stay. You know where I think the savings might be for developers. Uh, and I don't, I don't think you, I, I don't disagree with you. I think we are, we are social beings. You know, anybody you talk to, they want to go to a restaurant. They want to see their friends. This is like, you know, and, and to say nothing if you have little kids that can't even go to school and see their friends. So this is just the adult part. But the, the, the cost of travel, not only financial, but also time. I mean, when, you're, when you've got these, these ways to market to people and maybe, maybe you can save one trip uh, to the Far East uh, and, you know, what the costs are. Or maybe you can now explore uh, a market like uh, the continent of Africa that you've never thought about. So I think technology, and particularly people like you that recognize the benefit, I think what it's going to do is it's going to open doors that were never opened. And, and uh, you know, when, when I invited you to come on, I, I, I've always had so much respect for your career. And I thought, what, what an ideal guest. Because this, this is a time when people are looking for answers uh, and a little bit looking for what's the future going to be. And, uh, and for that reason, um, you know, I thought that this would be a great, great way for you to explain it and, and for our audience to hear more about you. So, so I really appreciate it. Um, you know, we'll, we'll do this again because I think it's important to see where this ends up in the future. You know, I appreciate it. And, you know, it's always great to catch up with you. We have, um, even if you were to look at my roster and look at our team, um, we have a very diverse group of people, um, all shapes and sizes and ages and demographics. And I think uh, that's a reflection of the changing world and, and, and uh, in a technologically savvy world. And, you know, I like to think that we're future proofing ourselves as a company. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a new world. And, you know, Toronto, Toronto is the land of, uh, that welcomes everyone. So I, I think as part of doing a good job, um, you know, as a, as a marketing expert, if we can call it that, maybe by virtue of my years of experience and what have you, sales and marketing expert, 
I think probably my greatest success was, was, was about surrounding myself with the right people. Either I, you know, I sometimes landed with them because you, you work for those big machines. You, you land with a lot of good people. Uh, in my own business, I was able to do the same. And I, I thought surrounding myself with great people would make, would make us a great company. You know, I'm one voice, a, a seasoned voice, but I've got a really diverse, young, fun, forward thinking group of people. And I think, you know, if we didn't learn anything, Howard, we learned that we now need to understand how important it is to prepare ourselves to, to think forward. First, we have to worry about surviving, but it seems as though we're all going to survive. And um, it's a really exciting time. You know, it really brought, as I said, the pandemic with, with all of the bad. I think it did a lot of good for a lot of people. And it put us, you know, took stock of where we were and where we need to go. And I, you know, to me, other than the, the you know, the, the brutality of, of how it's affected people, you know, physically and all that, you know, have been a great turning point in the business. And it's really forced me to think differently and to act differently and prepare differently. And always great to talk with you. Um, always been a great uh, front runner yourself and a forward thinker. And um, as I said, I always recall coming out with my real estate license and look, there's 45,000 real estate licenses out in Toronto. Well, who are going to be the people who make a difference? Well, I knew Howard Grukarsh. I maybe didn't know that in 1984 when I got my license, but I certainly have known that over the years. So it's great to connect with you as always. Well, I can assure you Howard Drukarsh didn't know that in 1984 either. So thank you for this, for the kind comment. Listen, I know you're busy and I always appreciate when people take time to, to come on the podcast. So uh, Mark, stay, stay safe. We all want to do that and uh, uh, continued success. And we'll, we'll see you back here again. Okay. I look forward to it. Thanks again. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Mark. Take care. We want to thank Mark Cohen of TCS, and we want to thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed our podcast, please like, comment, and subscribe on your favorite podcast network or on our YouTube channel, and please tell your friends about us. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can reach us by email at info at rewithhd.com or on our website, rewithhd.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.